0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the 19th episode of Deep in the Novo. I'm your host, Ryan Nozinski, joined here, as always, by my co-host and good friend and roommate, Sadeep Tuma. Uh, today, we're going to be covering OSU's and recapping OSU's 20-18 to 18 victory over the Kansas State Wildcats in Manhattan, Kansas, the Little Apple. Uh, what an interesting game, too, Did he, uh, isn't that right, Sadeep? You know, you had sort of a tale of two halves there, and I know we'll get into that uh, right here in this first segment right you know talking about man what a different team this was in that first half going into that second half
1: no you're right that's that's my first thing the the I think middle of second quarter is when i was sitting there like all right yeah this this is right 12-0 right now and it just feels like this is the end of the game and it was it, you're right it was a tale of two halves it was two completely different teams right the way kansas state played in the first half versus the way they played in the second half and vice versa. The way OSU played in the first half or second half were just completely different, right? And there was obviously some schematic differences. But most of it was just player personnel, right? Simple things. When Kansas City once Kansas State, excuse me, was just running up the middle with Deuce Vaughn, mm-hmm. with Harry Trotter, with Will Howard, <laughs> it was working, right? It's it was just constant. But when OSU, I right, this dominant OSU defense that has been so good at stuffing the run, letting nothing go up the middle, except against Texas, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But Texas all line's really good. Kansas State is not. No. And Kansas State was just getting that, right? They were, they were doing a great job going sideline to sideline, passing that fullback, right? on those. They were doing a great job. They were really manipulating the eyes of that Oklahoma State defense. They were showing them things that they had never seen, right? A lot of different plays. And it wasn't even Deuce Vaughn. It really wasn't, no. right? It wasn't that same guy who was, you know, Darren Sproles-esque, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that very talented, uber-explosive running back. It wasn't him. It was this team just like, outplaying mm-hmm. Oklahoma State in the first half. Second half, it was a de- completely different story.
0: Yeah, and, and when I look at sort of Kansas State's attack in the first half, like you said, Will Howard was a huge part of that. He, him being able to uh, maneuver around this OSU defense. Mike Gundy was one of the first things he brought up in the game presser. He said, we got to get better at, at, at containing some of these mobile quarterbacks, right? They had a very mobile guy last week in Sam Elgar that they had to go against. And Will Howard, who is obviously inexperienced and way less, uh, less experienced than Sam Elgar, and... Right now, obviously less talented than Sam Ellinger, but maybe you know who knows what what will happen in his development uh, going along in these years. But man, he was able to run all over OSU, especially in that first half, and was able to use that to his advantage. And you know, we'll see you know going forward how they're able to to uh, attack some of these more, more mobile quarterbacks. But the thing that I noticed too is, like you said, Deuce Vaughn wasn't really incorporated as much as 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 was advertised. You know, we thought this was a guy who you take him off this Kansas State team, and
1: man, they might have one win. It was such a different, you're right. I mean, schematically, right? Like I said, right? For me, that was the big thing. Mm-hmm. The way they approached this game was so great. Going sideline to sideline a little bit, right? East and West. But man, it was just a lot of, it was just great scheming. That's what it yeah. was, right? It was just, you didn't see that a lot, mm-hmm. right? With the fullbacks on the, on the bootlegs. Oh my the, gosh. The little, you just didn't see that. And that's what a lot of it came to. A lot of. Whenever OSU went off coverage, which was rare, going on little slants, it was a lot of run game. It really was. And that's what really, that's really what the catalyst was here in the first half. For Kansas State, when you could get that run game going, right, when you had Deuce Vaughn and Harry Trotter and even Will Howard going in and gaining chunk yards, mm-hmm. not only do you go from first to 10, to second, and five, to third, and two, you make it easier, right, on third down. You cut down the down and distance easily. But the big thing was time of possession. The game really went by sure. like You look up and it was suddenly the second quarter. That
0: was the fastest game I think this year.
1: Right, and it, it just that's what it does, right? When you run the ball, you make situations easier for an offense that is not great, right? It's it's mm-hmm. built on that power run game. It's built on that downhill running. You run the ball, you get easier situations, but you also you bleed time of uh, time of possession. But most importantly, you your offense is designed that mm-hmm. way, right? When you're Kansas State you 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 work that power run game. You work you work those read options. You work all that running to open up the play action. Right. right? These are like we talked about in the preview. These receivers are not overly talented, right? They're very raw. But it, the big thing is that it's it's the run. Mm-hmm. And OSU, who's been so good, they really sold out to stop Deuce Vaughn. That's really what yeah. happened. You saw it a lot because there was a lot of over pursuing at times. The entire defense going one way, and that opened up the entire. Mm-hmm. That opened up a Will Howard run, right? That opened up a little pass there. That's what happened there, and that was a lot of it. And like I said, biggest thing was this. OSU just got out-dominated the li- at the point of attack, which is something that's so surprising, right? Mm-hmm. Even without Colby Harrell-Pill. Trey Sterling was a little bit hurt, but he played. Sure. And you didn't have that same penetration. You didn't have that same pressure mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage. And when that happened, you didn't. You weren't able to stop Kansas State at that same rate. And that was that was alarming. That was the big thing because you didn't. Not only was OSU struggling on offense to gain any traction because of the offensive line, which we'll get to, but you couldn't get Kansas state off the field. You can't do that. It's a tough, tough thing because they're draining clock away. It's really a perfect storm. Mike Gundy described the Texas turnovers as a perfect storm. This really was, this was a perfect storm because you were, like I said, you were losing time on the clock. You, you were giving Kansas state life when, You you shut it down. They got to punt it away, and then you get the ball. You get to start sustaining their drives. You get to play football. But the way the defense was, they were giving up big plays. And here's the difference in the big plays. Mike Gundy didn't seem overly concerned after the game with the big plays. Mm -hmm. But when you saw it against Iowa State, you saw a lack of discipline. Right? Those those couple Brees Hall runs, the two big ones, right? Mm -hmm. Those two were you could chalk up to gap discipline. Right? You could chalk up to okay if there's a guy containing, if there's a guy in one gap then the, the run doesn't happen versus a consistent attack that keeps chunking up on you and then gets blows you for a big play because yeah. you're out of position they're, that's a big difference, and that's why in the first half I was really concerned. Mm-hmm. When second half they they completely turned around. Yeah,
0: yeah, they definitely did, and you see the progression uh, going through it. And just talking from a defensive perspective as a whole, you look at the attack against Kansas State, and you're right, it was sort of that you know selling out to stop Deuce Vaughn a little bit, and and it, it worked. I mean, statistically, didn't have a great game at all, but also when you when you look at it too, you saw little glimpses in there of what you can see from this kid. I mean, he is a special, special talent, somebody no who's who's shifty through there i mean he's a scatback. back he's five five i mean i know people i know third graders that are taller than that and it's somebody who's able to shift through some of these uh these holes and, and you sort of look and you're like wait he got through that he got through that huge pile he's able to do that um and luckily for osu he wasn't able to do it as much because like you said they, they sold it to stop him but with kansas state it was almost a trick up their sleeve right it's it, it sort of uh they had other weapons out there that, that was able to you know come through and, and really play well against osu and, you,
1: and when you use the term scab scab back mm-hmm. it usually has almost a connotation of a guy who's not a volume runner yeah right but this guy is yeah he is he is your he is your workhorse he's a guy you can give 20 touches mm-hmm. to 25 touches to because he's so talented right mm-hmm. he's not just a Guy that will break a few ankles that that'll be an outside runner, but and a receiver a little bit. He can do it all. Yeah, he really can. As a power runner, he can run through guys. He, he's elusive. He's mm-hmm. got everything. And OSU didn't didn't sell out in the sense of they stacked the box. No, no. But they sold down the way of that was their game plan because mm-hmm. you saw it when Deuce Vaughn would go left, would go right, would go up the middle. The entire the eyes of the OSU defense, the linebackers, mm-hmm. the safeties, it all went that way right. and it opened up things. And then. You, you do those little, little things, right? You move the eyes, you move the body, then suddenly you open up a Will Howard run. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you open up a big play. And it didn't help that the offense was struggling, right? Field position and so on. But, yeah, that was the pro- big problem, the the big plays. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's a good thing OSU did stop him. But I thought even if they didn't sell out, even if that wasn't their primary thing, this defense has so much sideline-to-sideline side speed, so much depth, so much talent, pure just tackling talent, right? A bunch of surefire tacklers. But also so much speed. That's a big thing. That's the advantage. That's why this this OSU defense is legit to me because they don't just match up well because they're talent. Mm -hmm. Because they have the speed to attack playmakers, right? I mean, the there's Marquise Brown out there, C.E. Lamb, right? Right. These guys that are typically explosive wide receivers, running backs Mm -hmm. in the Big 12. You have the guys where if, if OU tries to... You know, so many teams scheme so well, right? They scheme guys into space. They get them... You get... Your explosive playmakers into space, but when you have the speed that OSU does to go that way, mm-hmm. it just you shut it all down. It's it's a different thing, and that's why I was surprised that this Kansas State team was up a lot. I mean, not a lot statistically, but it felt like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, and and sort of also from a, a defensive perspective, sure. Um, when you look at the way that some of the members of the secondary was able to play the other day, I mean, there were some guys who stepped in and and really did a great job i mean even a guy jason taylor he had the, the play of the game obviously was started by uh trace ford but man to to be able to grab that fumble and and go into uh, to the end zone for the touchdown that the sort of dagger uh if you will was was fantastic in this game so someone who was able to step up and i feel like you saw that a lot especially with the injuries that happened you were able to see that quite a bit uh throughout you know just this entire game people stepping up into these positions, um, you know, w- maybe when they're not expected to, you know, because of because of all the practicing uh, or lack thereof and all the injuries this week.
1: And that was my thing. I didn't think this past defense had any problems. I thought for the entire game, yeah. Will Howard struggled to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Of this guy was we saw the promise, right? We saw them before West Virginia. <laughs> you saw it with the prior two games. Will Howard, great arm, speed, dual threat. You saw the dual threat nature mm-hmm. for sure, but. This was a guy who, again, he was kind of called something on an X-Factor, and he struggled because when you would, not stack the box, but when you would kind of commit and you just leave your guys one-on-one, which is very easy to do when you right. have Jerick Ford Converse and Rodarius out there, even Devin Harper, mm-hmm. even though you were, like you said, even though you were down Colby, even though you were down not Trey Sterling, but at times he was out of the game, mm-hmm. you were still fine. Jason Taylor played well enough for sure. And that was a luxury that all you had to do was stop the run, but you couldn't. But in the second half, you saw it come to fruition where three straight, three and outs. When the cornerbacks are just sticking and not even committing so many guys into the box, but being able to stop them. Second half, it looked like the same OSU defense, which was why I, didn't, I wasn't even taken back. I was mm-hmm. even like, oh, wow, look what they're doing. It was almost normal, right? Because <laughs> you had Malcolm, Amen, Israel, Antoine, all these guys who were generally the run soakers. They stuff up those holes. Three sta- straight three and outs for an offense that was rolling. They weren't just getting big plays; they were getting chunk plays, and they were continuing to roll down the field in the first half. Right, I said it. Time of possession, bleeding the clock out. The second half, that was not the. That was not. That was not it at all. They just stuffed them out. Helped, and it worked hand in hand because OSU's offense started going well. And that was a big thing for me.
0: Yeah, I think the offense, too, uh, incorporating with that OSU, that very strong OSU defense that we saw in the second half. I mean, obviously, uh, you just look at it from the from the rushing yard standpoint, right? They were able to take control over this Kansas State offense because in the first half, I, I believe, um, the Ocali's very own Joseph Fazio brought this up in the uh, postgame presser to Gundy. It was, gosh, like 100-something-odd yards less than uh, in, in terms of rushing yards in the first half versus the second half. And that's really impressive for them to limit them to just about 59 uh, in the second half when in the first half. I mean, they ran, gosh, probably 159, I believe, or something like that. Something along along those lines uh, for the Kansas State Wildcats. It was just a different attack. It was a different sort of mindset for uh, some of these players just stepping up in that second half and, and really just amplifying all their performances wasn't even necessarily like a lot of changes up there. It was just a lot of just amplified performances, I feel like.
1: That's my thing. Like I said, they didn't really schematically do anything no. crazy different. The yardage totals are crazy. I think the first half, 83 yards to 217. Right. Guess which one's 217. <laughs> and the numbers supported the play. You saw the film. You saw the game. It just felt like that. It felt that this game was dominated by Kansas State and at 12-0 it felt like it was out of reach. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous, right? You imagine 12-0, and it feels (laughs) like it's out of reach. That's the way this game was kind of going. But OSU played just a whole different game. It was the same guys out there, Mm -hmm. the same exact guys, the same offensive line. Nothing was flipped around. Nothing was changed. They played better. The running backs played better. Everyone played better. It it was just two different things. But it was good because the defense was really the true catalyst here. Without that defense stopping them, there is no game here. No, Because even if – OSU's offense has improved a little bit, which they did definitely play better in the se- second half. I created a lot of that to the offensive line. <clears throat> Without that defense stopping them, it just you don't get the same field position, you don't get the same momentum, and you don't stop them on offense. The way Kansas State was rolling, and it was it wasn't like feathery like they were just getting a slip here or there. It was it was a really good game plan. Mm-hmm. But after that first half and all those new things they saw, the new concept that Kansas State threw out at OSU, there was nothing left. It was just base. You know what they're running and stop it. Mm-hmm. And they did. It was just runs up the middle in the second half to begin it. Like I said, three straight, three and outs. That's, a, that's crazy. Yeah. And the fourth one was a punt or the fourth one was a fumble. I pulled mean, that fumble, right? The <laughs> 80, whatever, uh-huh. Jason Taylor fumble. 80,000 yards. And it, <laughs> that, that was, that's the one that looked like it was going to be that. Oh man, this is, this is the time where Kansas state might drive down and score, uh-huh. but OSU's got momentum to come back, but that wasn't it. Israel Antoine made a great play. Something that OSU's done hasn't done this year. I mean they've what they've done this year is played tremendous defense straight mm-hmm. up, but they haven't forced a lot of turnovers. No. Right? That's the thing. They've been bit with turnovers, but they also haven't won the turnover battle because they don't <laughs> they haven't forced a lot of turnovers. What they have done is forced a lot of punts there you go. and given you a shorter field, which mm-hmm. helps. But it's different, right? Momentum momentum changing plays. And plays that just get you, again, better field position, like really good field position, near the 20, near the 30, near the 40. A touchdown. <laughs> there haven't been a lot of those. And this was one that helped. And this is the statement of a true, true great defense.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that's sort of what you're getting uh, lately with OSU. Um, and the way this defense is able to evolve, to adapt to some of these weird situations is interesting. Um, now, going along to a complement to this defense, you talked about the offensive line and how they, they were able to play. Like the defense... It got a lot better in the second half yeah. because my goodness, how many times do we look at the TV yesterday and say, "Josh Sills, what are you doing?" Ryan Novazinski, circa 2016, might have been a better left tackle uh, yeah, I don't know out about there than <laughs> than Josh Sills. No, but he was—he wasn't getting—he wasn't sticking on those blocks. He was sort of whiffing a lot of a lot of the times, and and that's not to discredit uh, Wyatt Hubert what a great defensive end this guy is, right? You you compared him, to a little, you know, we talked about Joseph Asai and how, how much he's been able to uh, have a great season. Wyatt Hubert, oh, my goodness. This this is a guy who's, who's going to have a fantastic season, the captain on that uh, Kansas State defense. And then, you know, obviously Wiley, too. You know, there's another couple weapons in there for Kansas State. But, man, they were able to apply pressure uh, yesterday.
1: It was crazy. Going into the game, I know I said this after the video, but I have to reiterate it. My biggest question mark was left guard Preston Wilson. Yeah. Against Drew Wiley, I compared Drew Wiley to Israel and before uh-huh. reminded me a lot of that with his hand placement, how high he goes, and his power. But that was neutralized. It was Josh Sills, and you, it was pretty <laughs> clear because the cameras on that left side, of, right? The TV cameras yeah. on that left side. You saw Josh Sills get broken down so many plays in a row. Even times where Josh Sills wasn't giving up a sack, it was pressure, which is equally difficult mm-hmm. when you're a quarterback. Yeah, again, like you said, no discredit to Wyatt Hubert and the great game he had. Three and a half tackles were lost, two Mm -hmm. and a half sacks. He was dominant, no question. Really good, really great player. Obviously, one of the best defensive ends in the country, Mm -hmm. definitely in the Big 12. (laughs) He's a pure speed (laughs) rusher. I don't know what it was, but it it was really bamboozling because Josh Sills had been so good. Obviously, in left guard, he's Mm -hmm. been tremendous as a left tackle. I thought he was better. I really did. When I watched yeah. him as Texas, he stayed a lot stronger, right? Even when he went there and he's played that position before. He knows what it is. Charlie Dickey put him there for a reason. He knows Charlie Dickey obviously has all these scenarios planned uh-huh. out. You have to, if you're an off the line coach, he had it. And that's why I was so surprised because it wasn't even a struggle of, okay, body on body. This guy's, you know, getting around a little move and getting around Josh Stills. It was clean off mm-hmm. the break. And overall, the entire offensive line—it was given up place, plays everywhere. Especially so when Tevin Jenkins go down, it was difficult. Yeah. But and that—that was a big thing in the in the first half. You, it's easy to blame Spencer Sanders. It's easy to blame Casey Dunn. It's easy to blame Tylen Wallace not being there. Truba Hubbard being hurt. It was none of that. This mm-hmm. team has so many weapons. Even Dylan Stoner out there—that's fine as your WR one. He's done it before. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not Tylen. By no means is it Tylen. <laughs> but he's done it before. He can be—he can play in that role. The problem, the real problem was the offensive line. It mm. really was. You had no no, no time. Let me forget the defense for a second. You couldn't sustain anything more than three downs a lot of times. You couldn't get the run game going. When mm. that happens, everything changes. When you get a run, first off, you're not getting – you'll get what? What did Joseph Ozzie say? Nine <laughs> yards in the first half? <laughs> My goodness, nine yards. Can you imagine? Yeah. Nine rushing yards. This OSU team, as as explosive and as vertical as they've been in the past with the pass game, this is a – not a run first team, but it is a heavy run. I mean, 10 times it's a run yeah. first team, but this is heavy on the run. This It really is. And when you go nine yards, it's difficult because it's not like Texas. Texas was different. Even when the runs were struggling, it was the way Texas defense was set up. Right. You had that four quarter look, you had Tylen Wallace one-on-one, just about mm-hmm. every play you had enough. You could, you could navigate circumvent around that defense in the way that they were playing. That wasn't this, that was, this was different. Kansas State didn't rush. They didn't play that sort of zone. I mean, they did. They played a zone. But they had three, four rushing every single play. Yeah. That's not a lot. And most times when you have five against four, five against three, you should be able to stop them, especially when you have running simple back. Simple math. Game. Right, simple <laughs> math, especially with offensive linemen, big guys. And Kansas State would throw seven, eight in coverage. Sure. Now, smart quarterbacks, any quarterback really, after a while, they will break down the zone, right? Mm-hmm. They'll find the holes and sneak passes into there. But when you don't have any time at all, and this is also the element of zone defense. When you play a zone defense, you're only doing it because you know there's holes. There's there's no way to get around there. Right? There are holes in a zone defense. But you hope that you can get, your pass rush can get to the quarterback before a quarterback finds those holes. And for Kansas State, that math was working. Right? The so simple math, that math was working. They were getting there in a second or two, and it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Forget the fact that Spencer Sanders is mobile. No one can when you got pressure like that, that's difficult. Exactly. And even I saw things about how they should they abandon the run game and just have Spencer throw quickly and use his running ability. You couldn't. Mm -hmm. There was so much pressure from all directions. He couldn't rush out. Even when he tried to run up the middle to escape out of the pocket, he couldn't. And you can't abandon the run game. It makes you... It's the same reason I said it was smart to run against Texas, even though you were only getting one, two, three yards. You abandon the run game, you become Mm one-dimensional. Those pass rushers can go full pass rush. They can... And they, for, right, they come in full speed, and they force you to throw against eight in coverage, seven in coverage. That is a difficult task. Oh, yeah. But when you establish that run game, you have so many advantages. I mean, it's a necessity. Because first of all, this sounds ridiculous, but when you are able to run the ball, it negates the pass rush. It does. Because you start to—those pass rushers have to think for a second, right? For a second, for a half a second. They have to slow down. Think about, oh, is this running back coming? You negate some of that. You open the play-action game. The linebackers have to act differently. The defense overall has to change their entire scheming because of how you're going. The safeties might have to play up. It might open something down the field. There are so many different things. And when your offensive line is struggling, you can't just keep throwing it short because the defense will adapt. They'll play up, and they'll get you every time. And like I said, a second or two, it's not a lot of time. And you're under pressure in a very little time. Even for mobile Spencer Sanders, it was so difficult in the first half. But the second half, when they offensive line, here's the big thing, the offensive line played different. Mm-hmm. In the run game, you saw them. They were pushing guys back. In the pass game, they were holding for a few seconds, giving Spencer enough time. And that's why he was able to find... I mean, Spencer didn't have a crazy game overall. In the second half, definitely not. He played better, though, because he had that time when he was making the right decisions. Then the run game is where the catalyst was, where you were creating holes, not huge, gigantic holes the way that... OSU did in 2019, but you did enough for guys like L.D. Brown, Chuba Hubbard. I mean, namely L.D. Brown, who's once again proving his great breakout season. You're giving them space to make plays, to use their talent to make plays. And that's what you need. You just need enough of a hole. You just need enough space. You can't have negative space. You can't have guys, as soon as you hand it off, that you have four guys from Kansas State in the backfield. You can't have that. In the second half... It was just better offensive line play, which opened up the whole offense.
0: Yeah, that's that, that's what you saw from them, right? You saw them them creating more space, uh, for you know these running backs and Spencer Sanders specifically to 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 have more rooms to do what he can do, right? And what I like, and I know you like this too, is Spencer Sanders is improved ability to make decisions. I, I know I that it. is yep. that is one of the my favorite things. You go because it goes hand in hand, right? Even in the first half when he wasn't getting great protection, when he wasn't getting, you know, any of these opportunities to have bigger holes, right, Uh, for his running backs, you know, maybe on a read option or whatever, maybe even him, right, the guys shooting through them. You you even saw it there. You even saw smart decisions there. Whether he would you know uh, throw the ball away or whatever, uh, he would just do, have much better decisions than than he would last year. Obviously, and he is improving his decision making. He's becoming a more intelligent, smart quarterback, and it's showing.
1: And you talk about decision making. It's not even the decision making of throwing down the field, sure. finding the right guy. It's the decision making of. Yeah, you're right. When it's when he's scrambling out of the pocket, even his third down, third and long, and he wants to make a play. Yeah. When he's falling away or he's, he's running out the right and he has very few options, mm-hmm. very tight options, he just throws it away. When he's running out, he'll slide to the ground instead of taking a big hit. You saw several of those, and those are the big plays to yeah. me because those are the smart plays. What do we talk about Texas after Texas this entire week? The maturity of Spencer Sanders, right? how is mike gundy going to find how is tim ortega going to find that fine line to walk between the explosive plays the competitive nature the fiery nature of Spencer sanders and the the hope that he doesn't create turnovers and mm-hmm. make mistakes because of that immaturity and this was a good balance right you didn't see the same i mean it's hard to when you're on tylan walls when you have an right. offensive line playing like this but you didn't see that same mistake turnover proneness sure i mean that first play you had white hubert coming right around Mm -hmm. but it's very difficult this is your i mean go back on the offensive line for just a second when you have a blind side Mm -hmm. your left tackle the blind side you literally can't see it (laughs) when you're a righty quarterback which most are Mm -hmm. you can't see the guy you have to trust that your left tackle will do it sure he held on a little bit longer but that's part of it you're hoping that your guy will hold it you're you're i mean you need him to right that's why your left tackles i think the second i mean i've it's considered the second or third most important position on a football field. Mm-hmm. Imagine that a tackle, a left tackle is that important. They are, they really are because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it a little bit, kind of. It's, that's the intuition of a quarterback, but you can't see it. And that's why it's so difficult, but you're right. It's the maturity and mm-hmm. the decision-making that was so impressive because that will lead to, that will lead to better play for this OSU pass game for this OSU team. Because, you know that he can make the plays obviously he's not an elite quarterback by any standard Mm -hmm. but he's 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 a playmaker he really is you saw the legs you see the pass game you see the arm you see the the ability the ball placement the accuracy all of it and when you combine that with smarter decisions and smarter in a conservative way throwing the ball away sliding knowing where to go when to take risk when to not take risk that's really what will combine this guy and make him even better and more special and more of a threat
0: yeah and, and he did all of this we talk about all this he did all of this without his best receiver. Sure. Tyler Wallace, a guy who's a monster uh, and has had great games against Kansas State in the past. This is a guy who's one of the best wide receivers in the country, and he had to adapt. There's injuries, right? We'll talk about those, too. You know, Tyler Wallace sits out the— uh, Excuse me. Tyler Wallace played one play, right? He played again that that stupid little thing at the end, right? The, the kickoff return. Um, but— you know, when, when you look at the, you know, just OSU as a whole and, uh, and Spencer Sanders as a whole this game, he had a lot to, or he had little to work with because Dylan Stoner had to go into a new role. All these other receivers had to step up. Brendan Presley back there was shuffling back and forth. What are your thoughts on, on how Spencer Sanders w- how, was able to play without Tylen Wallace this afternoon or this past afternoon? The
1: offense changes is because you can't take the same shots that you usually take with mm-hmm. Tylen Wallace. That's the advantage. Even Braden Johnson, for all his speed and prowess, is yeah. a deep threat. He's not a contested catch receiver. I don't think he is yet. I do not seen him be able to, in traffic, go up, catch a ball, or back shoulder at anything like that. Dylan Stoner, like I said, he's a capable number one at times, but he's not Tylen Wallace. And one of the main things Dylan Stoner lacks is he can catch balls in traffic a lot better, for sure, than Brayden Johnson. Right. But he cannot go up and catch 50 50 balls. He doesn't have that back shoulder ability the way Tylen Wallace does. This is a guy where, even when he's covered, he's not. Right, like mm-hmm. Des Bryant was. So true. You have that sort of fifty-fifty ball ability. She's only six-one, six, whatever, six mm-hmm. foot, but his frame is—I mean, his frame is not huge, but he is so strong, and he may be the most physical. He may the best receiver. might be the best receiver in college football. Agreed. But he's likely the most physical receiver in college football, and that's the—that's one of the biggest. That's one of the biggest traits as a uh, number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Your ability when you're a deep threat, people always think, talk that. Ah, think about speed. But it's not just about your pure speed and ability to go down the field. Because when you're down the field, you're not always going to be five yards open. What's your Tyree kill? But even him, he's <laughs> able to catch balls in traffic when he's got guys around him. That's the important thing. It's when you get down the field, how are you able to track balls? How are you able to uh, leverage your way open, route running, all those things? And this is a guy who's able to do it. He adds a different dimension that you no- don't normally have. Mm-hmm. But like I said, with Dylan Stoner, he's got enough talent to be a route runner, a guy who can run on curls, who can get down the field. He's got speed. He can, Like I said, he's a route runner. He can get open. He can make plays. He's, he's a reliable guy. I think he's a very talented guy. Mm-hmm. I thought he did well. But like I said, I didn't put any of the first half. I mean, overall, overall 108 yards for Spencer. I don't really put that on him. I don't. I put it on the offensive line. Yeah, because I thought he like like we talked about. I think we he made good decisions overall, and he's on a, he had a spectacular game or something. But he wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. But with this offensive line, you don't have any time at all. It is very difficult. This is a guy who has electric as a runner. He made some plays as a runner for sure, and that's what that was great. He made the right decisions. He got himself down the field. He kept the offense moving. It was combining that his running ability, his passing ability, a little bit here and there. And then handing the ball off, and you know it, the entire dimension. I think he played well. And I think this was a smart game where it didn't look great. The offense wasn't great, but I think it, it really, it went well. I think it flowed well. I think he adapted as well as you could because you don't have Tylen Walls. It's a different dimension. But I think he has chemistry with these guys. It wasn't, it wasn't Texas. It wasn't Eddie. It wasn't Iowa State. It wasn't the same performance, but it wasn't the same explosive performance. Mm-hmm. But I think with Kansas State D line, how they were and how O.C.'s O-line was, I didn't think there was much room for that sort of explosion. It wasn't, even though Texas D-line was crazy, right, swarming, there was there was almost a different dimension in terms of, you saw in the second half, what I'm trying to get at is second half, even when Spencer was running out, scrambling out, he had more space to scramble out. <laughs> in the first half when he was under pressure and no one was open, he would try to step up in the pocket and roll out, or he would try to curl out and run out and run for yards or buy more time. There was not, there was no doors for him to go through. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Second half that was there, and when the offensive line was there, I mean, I looked at the stat sheet after. I think he had thirty something yards. Spencer did, mm-hmm. but it felt like he had a lot more, just because the offense flowed so well and it was the right. It, it all moved the right way. That's that's really what happened.
0: Yeah, it, it totally did. And, and when you look at, you know, just it, it's go back to the point. There's two things in this thing. It, it's the offensive line play and the offensive line play in the second half, and it just got it. Vastly improved, and the entire team uh, vastly improved throughout the game as the game went along. Right. And now, you know, sort of with that, it's two things that go hand in hand. It's the play of the running backs back there and the injuries, right? Because these two things definitely go hand in hand. Because when you talk about um, coming into this game, I didn't know Chuba Hubbard was a little bit limited or, or right. hurt, or I still don't even think we know an answer on that. Um, but when uh, LD Brown, too, was questionable, He's, he was up in the air. We kind of saw Desmond Jackson start at running back uh, for the OSU Cowboys, and I know he played a little bit, um, and he does a fine job. But man, I mean, you 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 look at it from a holistic standpoint, and you look at LD Brown, what he was able to do with these offensive line woes, and despite these injuries, I mean, he had a good game. He had a really good game. This is one of his, like you said, this is for LD Brown. This is a breakout season for sure.
1: He did, and I mean, again, look at where those numbers came. They were all in the second half. Yeah. It was that sort of game, right? <laughs> like I said, nine yards. And it almost, it helped, not to take anything away from LD Run, I think he was a tremendous a runner. He made plays and he showed you what t- sort of talent he is. But had Shuba Hubbard been healthy and took over, I think he would have had a big game in the second so too. half too and maybe even better numbers. It was a time, ton- it was, it just, like I said, It's it's still mind boggling to me because the entire team played such a different game. It's like you took out your same players and I, I never boil it down to this sort of elementary level, mm-hmm. but it's like you took out your players and they just decided to not play well for first <laughs> game and second half they did. The offensive line, there was just a different push. You could see it on certain runs where I think it was an LD round or a Jackson run where he's running to the left and the line had so much push mm-hmm. where the defensive line of Kansas State was a yard or two past where they where they lined up, yeah. which is absolutely crazy in any play for that sort of D-line to get pushed. But against OSC's O-line that was so hurt and so weird in the first half, to get that sort of push, to get the time that Spencer had, forget the fact that there was in coverage. He was able to buy a little bit, get keep the chains moving, keep the offense flowing. But the offensive line changed everything, and LD Brown did an excellent job. He really did. Because I, I mentioned this to you during the game his sort of, he was coming into the year, I mean, 2019 before that, he was a fast guy, right? A speedy guy who was just kind of running on the outside, Mm -hmm. a little bit in pass game, but he had a lot of speed. You you knew him for that explosive talent, but he didn't have the ability to run through tackles. Sorry, run through the tackles uh, to be physical, to be a power back a little bit, to his vision, patience. Those traits weren't really there, but you see that this year, and it's just a whole different back and at certain plays like the spin move you see this big back who's so physical and so strong be able to make those moves it's like in in basketball when a point guard grows eight inches and becomes anthony davis (laughs) and he's a forward or a center who has point guard talent it's the same thing here or similar thing here where ld brown he used to be a small guy who learned all those sort of moves and he's able to use them with this bigger frame which is so difficult and so so difficult to be able to defend and, again, you saw the vision, you saw the patience at times where he's waiting for the hole to develop. And the second half when it was developing, not huge like a humongous hole, mm-hmm. which, which is where the vision comes in. The fact that he's able to find that in the second half with the improved play just sparked his offense, the 50-yard run. The, the offense was turning in the second half. It was just a whole different feel. Again, the numbers didn't look great in the second half. Time of possession and everything, it was just so different. But the offense was turning, and it was big for L.D. Brown. Desmond Jackson too looked good. I think he's a very talented guy. It I do. Is too. I like him a lot, and he's he's again another guy who's good vision, good patience, mm-hmm. strong, a little bit shifty. He's good in the good between the tackles. He's a good runner for sure, and it's good to have that guy as your third mm-hmm. guy. It's- yeah.
0: Especially too, like he's so young. He is so young. I mean, you talk about LD Brown. I almost forgot that he was like what a, he's a senior now, right? right? The so shirt senior, I always I always thought he was like, Oh yeah, LD Brown, he's a red shirt sophomore, something like that. No, he's a red shirt senior. He's a guy I forgot that sort of that deal. But man, Desmond Jackson, what he's able to show a little bit with some of the early on type of deal, it is uh very impressive. And with some of these injuries too, you might need him a couple times this year. Now, Sadeep, let me ask you this, okay? Do you think that OSU having a week off next week is crucial because they will have finally all these recoveries?
1: Of course. <laughs> I mean, you need it. You really do going into this sort of situation. There, I mean, this many injuries. It was like a bad play. It was. Mm-hmm. Just a, I mean, when I say play, I mean like movie play. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a movie. Like mm-hmm. the script. You could. You can't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. You can't. It was ridiculous. It was. It just One guy would go out, the next guy would go out. I thought Spencer Sanders was going out at one point. It seemed like everything was going out. Ethan (laughs) Bullock. Yeah. (laughs) Trey Sterling looked like he was going to be out. Everyone looked hurt one after another. And you were really getting hurt mostly in positions where you weren't able to. Yeah. Right? The offensive line. The defensive line, obviously you don't want anyone to get hurt. But you have so much depth there. Front seven, you have Calvin Bundy, Devin Mm -hmm. Harper there. Man, let's talk about Devin Harper for a second. That guy had a tremendous game. He did. He showed as a tackler once again brock martin really showed out if my eyes don't lie to me he actually started the game over trace ford mm-hmm. which is crazy <laughs> think about all the talent of trace ford it just goes to show you how talented brock martin is see he is playing great this season you came in as a solid player but man he is really playing well this year and great job by osu overall just to make up in spite of all the injuries you're right this this week off is going to be big Give them actual time to heal, not rushing for the next game after a loss when, you know, motions and such are probably running high when they're ready to get back. You got a week off, this will help, right? Especially for a big game in Bedlam.
0: Totally, yeah. Uh, you, you know, you almost forget. Bedlam is is just a couple weeks away, but it'll come right after this bye week. But that doesn't mean we stop. That doesn't mean our newspaper stops. We will still have all of this coverage, all of our sports coverage, all of our news coverage, all of our lifestyle coverage right here on Ocali.com and all of our Ocali podcasts on the Ocali Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Ryan Obazinski, joined here as always by Sadiq Tuma. Have a great day.